Thank you, Seth, very much. You always prepare our hearts very well for the preaching of the Word of God. And it's going to be out of Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 4 through 10 this morning. Now the word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, Ah, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak, for I'm only a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say, I am only a youth. For to all to whom I send you, you shall go. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have set you this day over the nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and to break down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. This is the word of God. You can be seated. Now, as you're being seated, let's pray once more. Father, I'm glad that I can be here, and I'm glad for each one that you've brought here this morning. However, there are some that are not in our midst this morning because of sicknesses or recovery or new injuries. Lord, we want to pray for Butch, of course. Lord, we, we miss his presence here, Lord, as a dear brother and a dear leader in our church. Be helping him, be touching his body, bringing healing, be preparing him for tomorrow's test, Lord, and cause that to be conclusive in some way to help him to get fully well, fully whole. Once again, Lord, we want to pray for the Underwoods who aren't here either. Lord, please be helping Mrs. Underwood as she recovers from such a um, traumatic surgery to remove the cancer. Lord, please be helping her in these next steps. And Lord, we, we pray for Bruce, too, just from a sports injury. He can't be here, but he's touching his um, body as well. Lord, we, we, we miss people when they're not here. So, Father, we pray, bring them back to us. Lord, we also pray, bring us the word. Help me to bring it fully and faithfully this morning. Help us to walk in it. Give us eyes to behold truth, Lord. We pray it in Christ's name. Amen. I titled the message this morning, Set Apart by God. Jeremiah, Set Apart by God. Because that's what this whole section really is about, him being set apart and what he's going to be doing and how he's going to be doing it. As far as an outline for like a roadmap, where we're going in this text, look at this. So in those verses 4 through 10 this morning, we can really break them down this way. Sort of the first half is about Jeremiah. Verses 4 and 5, his consecration. Verse 6, his concern. And then verses 7 and 8, God's command. And verses 9 and 10, God's commission. So Jeremiah's consecration, Jeremiah's concern, God's command, and God's commission. That's where we're going this morning. There's something called a hook when it comes to maybe like videos or songs. There's something that's usually at the beginning that they call the hook. And it's supposed to hook you and it's supposed to make you see why should I keep going forward with this song or with this video or with this movie? Why should I keep listening? Why should I keep paying attention? Well, this is quite the hook this morning for us at the very beginning of this very long book. 
It's compelling and it's necessary for the rest of the book because Jeremiah is going to go up against quite a lot in this book. He's going to go to a people that don't like him and that have turned from God. How applicable. How applicable for us. When you stand on God's word, as we spoke about last week in much more length, people won't like you because of what you represent. Now, of course, I mean the ones that are in the world. Isn't it great when you find other brothers and sisters in Christ, though, who are like-minded? I was working with a man once. We didn't know anything about each other. He was like a day worker that day. He was from, I want to say, Honduras. This is when I was still working in landscaping and lawn maintenance. And he was just like a day laborer that they hired for that day just to help us do a job. And the more we talked, even with his broken English, he said, Something to the effect of, you're a Christian, aren't you? I said, yeah. And you are too, right? He said, yes. (laughs) We just recognize each other. And I love that about the body. We recognize and like one another because of the truth that's in us, because of the spirit that's in us. However, that's exactly the reason why the world won't like us. Because the truth that's within us. And that's why the world did not like Jeremiah. So a very applicable book and quite the hook for you this morning and why you should... Listen. Now, look at verse 4. Now, the word of the Lord came to me. Now, this is similar to verse 2 that we saw last week, though we didn't touch on it much. It says, Jeremiah, verse 2, to whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah. This man speaks on behalf of God because God's words came to him. When you see that, that's why he's a prophet. That's actually the definition of a prophet, is you speak God's words on behalf of God. That's why they say things like, thus saith the Lord, before they speak, because they're speaking on behalf of God. So God's words came to him. But right now, they didn't come to him as a message to share, per se. They came to him to talk about, well, him in the beginning. Look at this. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. There's a lot there. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. This is not a uh, text about life in the womb per se, but I would be remiss if I didn't at least touch on this, wouldn't I? Before I formed you in the womb, God does that work. What's in the womb is a child. You know, it's interesting. We now say in our day, oh, we're, we're pregnant. Or someone might say, I'm pregnant. You remember in the past when people used to say, she's with child. Even in some older Bible translations, it says Mary was with child. Because we knew what's in the womb is a child. And some might say, it's just a clump of self. It's just a clump of cells. You're just a clump of cells right now. God forms life in the womb. God does it. God does it. It is real life in the womb. But God says this. He's not talking about when he did it. He's talking about before he did it. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Isn't that interesting? You 
existed in the mind of God before you were even a thing at all. Before your parents even met each other, before their parents met each other, or their parents met each other, before Adam and Eve were even made. You existed in the mind of God. And it says here about Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Now this knowing is connected with his being chosen. Because he goes on to say, I consecrated you, I set you apart, I'm going to do this with you. Now we know that, according to 1 Peter, God's elections, God's choosing, and and that's a, a Bible word, election, because it says in 1 Peter, to the elect, and it says, chosen according to God's foreknowledge. So we know election is based on God's foreknowledge. And some will say, yes, God's foreknowledge. It's, it, it's as though God looked down through the corridors of time, and he saw who was going to choose him. He saw all their actions, and so he chose them based on what he saw according to their actions. Whoever chose him, that's who he chooses. But that's not what this text says. It says, I, I knew you. It doesn't say, I knew your actions. It says, I knew you as a person. I knew you before you were born. And this knowing is the same kind of knowing that we see in Matthew 7. Look at Matthew 7, verses 21 and 23. It's going to be on the screen behind me. This is in different context, but the same word is used here. This is Jesus speaking. It's part of his Sermon on the Mount. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Which ones will enter then, Jesus? but the one who does the will of my Father who's in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, he means on the last day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? Lord, we did all this God stuff. And he says this in verse 23, then will I declare to them, I never knew you. There's our word. I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. See, the ones who truly know God and are known of God show that by, he says in verse 21, they do the will of his Father. And what do they also do? Works of lawlessness. So they said, we did God stuff. And he says, awesome. I I never knew you, though. So this is this knowing. It's salvific. You see that? It has to do with salvation. It has to do with God's election and God's choosing. And that happens before birth. Someone once said, try to explain God's sovereign election and you'll lose your mind. And then he said, try to explain it away and you'll lose your soul. See, without God's sovereign choosing of souls, none would be saved. And if you doubt that, if you say, no, that's not true, then read Romans chapter 3. Just read through Romans chapter 3 and come back and let's talk after that. Because Romans chapter 3 says, there's none righteous. No, not one. There's none who does good. And then he says this, there's none who seeks for God. You say, well, sure they do. I did. Why? Why did you do that? Why did you do that seeking? 
It's because God first loved you and you simply responded to it. It's not, the question should be, well, why doesn't God save all? The question should be, why does God save anyone? Really? Everyone in hell deserves to be there. No one in heaven deserves to be there. Correct? Absolutely. Look at this. Now the, word of, now the word of the Lord came to me. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Look at this. And before you were born, I consecrated you. Now if you've got the NIV, it says, before you were born, I set you apart. It means the same thing. To be consecrated means to be set apart. This is Jeremiah's consecration. Before he was even born, God knew him. He was going to be saved. He was set apart already. God said, I had a plan for you all along. You're going to be saved. You're going to be set apart. You're going to be appointed as a prophet to the nations. Now, not everyone has this task. Okay, This is Jeremiah we're talking about. God's talking to Jeremiah. He set him apart, and he gave him a task. His task was to the nations, especially Judah. He's especially the prophet to the nation of Judah. They are in their rebellion. If you've read this book, you know, unfortunately, it doesn't have a happy ending. They don't repent. Babylon comes and invades them, and they get carried off into exile, just like God said would happen. He's speaking to nations, whole nations here. He's even prophesying about the nations that come and invade them too. That's his task that he's been given. Not everyone's given that task. We focus on what task we've been given. His was to speak to his nations, to those nations. Yours is to speak to your neighbor. Right? Isn't that wonderful? That God gives each one of us tasks. We might say, gosh, I could never do that. Yeah, maybe you couldn't. But as God calls you to, as God calls you to prophesy to nations, probably not. Has he called you to speak to your neighbor? Absolutely. Has he called you to talk to your coworker? Yes. Has he talked to you to raise your children up according to the word of God? 100%. You do what God has called you to do. That's, what, that's the only thing that you have to be concerned with. You do what God has called you to. And let me encourage you, today, do it today. Don't worry about tomorrow. Focus on obeying God today. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. He'll take care of everything else. That's the Cohen Ezel paraphrase. He'll take care of everything else. He was appointed to speak to nations. Quite a task. And so now here's his concern. He felt the weight of this. Just like you feel the weight of it sometimes when God calls you to do something, right? Sometimes your first knee-jerk response is to come up with excuses why you can't do what he's told you to do. Amen? I'm not alone in that, right? <laughs> Cohen Ezel tries to come up with excuses to why he can't obey God either. Because usually the thing he calls me to do is what my flesh does not want to do. And it seems very illogical. God's commands often seem very illogical to us. Love your neighbor. I mean, I'm sorry. Yes, love your neighbor 100%. That doesn't seem illogical. What about this one? Love your enemy. 
What about that one? Pray for those who spitefully use you and mistreat you. Hmm. It doesn't come naturally. He felt the weight of this impossible task. It just felt so, I can't do that. So this is when his concern comes in. Verse 6, Jeremiah says, Ah, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak, for I am only a youth. Lord, you got the wrong guy. Number one, I'm not good at that talking stuff. Number two, I'm young. I'm still young yet. There's other guys older than me, better than me. I, I thought that many times. I still think that many times. There's, there's guys out there that are more godly than me, better than me, smarter than me, have more letters after their name. God, choose them. And God says, enough of that. You're, you're, you're the one I'm talking to. And God did that with him. And he thought, I'm not qualified for this. Not your guy. Choose the next person. Ever had that thought? But, but what about? If God's calling you to do something, newsflash, God's calling you to do something. God's calling you to do it. You are the one he's calling to do it for a reason. Ah, Lord God, behold, I don't know how to speak, (laughs) for I'm only a youth. Listen to this. Charles Spurgeon said, Even a child can often speak anything that has been said to him. To repeat what he is told to say is not beyond his capacity. And after all, this is the Christian minister's principal work. Somebody says, we want thinkers. Yes, so we do. But we want men whose thoughts shall be, sub- shall be subordinate to the thoughts of God. Ministers who do not come to utter their own thoughts, but to deliver their master's message. To tell to us what he has told to them. It's as simple as that. Even a child can repeat what, he's been said, what has been said to him, right? Don't we often do that when the child's about to speak? Say, Daddy, say, Daddy. You know, say, Mommy, say, Mommy. Say, oh, his first word was Dada. Oh, his first word was Mama. Even children can repeat what they're told, even babies. Why do we make it so hard? Why do we make it so hard? You'll talk about football till the cows come home. Jesus, oh, I've got, I've got paralysis. I can't, can't talk about that. God forbid people think I love Jesus. Wouldn't that be so horrible? Your poor, poor reputation if people thought you loved Jesus. Speak up for Jesus. Talk about God. The Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Talk about it. Why do we make it so terribly hard? The devil strikes fear into your heart and mind when he knows you're being commissioned by the Holy Spirit to say something. Why do you think that is? Why do you think the devil strikes you with fear so badly when it's time to talk about Jesus? Maybe it's because he's deathly afraid of Jesus. I mean, that's what I would do, (laughs) wouldn't you? I mean, it's a great tactic. 
I would keep you so far away from the weapon that could kill me if I knew that that, that weapon will kill me. Let's keep him far away from that. Jeremiah thought, I can't do this. I don't know how to speak. I'm just a youth. I'm still young yet. There's other guys older, better than me. But listen to what God says. Do not say, I'm only a youth. God said to him, don't say that. Don't do that. Wow. He says this, God says, don't say that. That's very plain. Don't say that. And it's very interesting, too, because someone else tried to do that with God. Some of you are already thinking that. That sounds a lot like Moses. Moses did something similar. Remember that at the burning bush? He used his mouth as the excuse. I'm not not a good talker. God. (laughs) Sometimes I'm... I'll just stick to the text. Exodus 4, verses 10 through 12. Exodus 4, verses 10 through 12. Listen to this. But Moses said to the Lord, this is at the burning bush, when God says, you're the guy I've chosen, you're going to go to Egypt, say, let my people go, to Pharaoh, one of the most powerful dictators on planet Earth at the time. You're going to go, and you're going to say this to him. God says, let his people go. That's what he said to tell you. But Moses said to the Lord, oh, my Lord. Isn't that interesting? (laughs) Similar to what Jeremiah said. Ah, Lord God. Oh, my Lord. I'm not eloquent, either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant. I'm slow of speech and of tongue. Then the Lord said to him, who's made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now, therefore, go. Now, I'll be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. He says, I'm slow of talk. I just don't do good with my mouth. Who made your mouth, son? I made it. Who makes men deaf, seeing, or blind? I do it all. Now you just go and do what I've told you to do. I will be with you. No more of this. I'm only a youth talk. No more of this. I'm not good at this talk. Stop focusing on yourself. Now God changes the focus completely. It's really always been about God. I don't know if you've noticed all these I pronouns. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet. Don't say I'm only a youth. For to all to whom I send you, you shall go. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. That's what he said to Moses too. I'm with you. See, we focus on ourselves far too much. This is what I can't do. I'm not good at this. I'm bad at this. I, I, me, me, I. I, I, me, me, me. And God says, I can play that game too. I'm with you. I'll tell you where to go. I'll tell you what to speak. Don't be afraid of them. I am with you. 
And if God's for us, who can be against us? Right? Don't focus on yourself. If you're focused on yourself, your focus is off. Because it's not about you. It's about the Lord. Yeah, this is a different church than other churches. This pastor says, it's not about you. That's why we're different. It's not about you. It's about the Lord. And that's what the Bible says. And so that's what I'm going to say. Because I want to be, on the last day, to be able to say, I was a faithful mouthpiece for you, Lord. I was bad at a lot of other things, but I don't want to fail in that area. I don't want to stand before the Lord. Let me word it in the positive. I want to be able to stand before the Lord on the last day and said, those sheep who you put under my care, Father, I gave them your words. I didn't give them my ideas, my concepts, my philosophies. I gave them your word. I messed up at a lot of other stuff. But I care for the sheep because I just gave them a steady diet of you. Someone asked me when I started this, what's your vision for the church? And I said, I, I, just, I just want them to love Jesus and to be like Jesus. And, I, and I'm just going to preach the word to them and to try to make that happen. I mean, that's really all I've got. That's all I've got. That's all I want to do. What else could I give you besides the word of God? That's all I want to give you. So let's get back to it. Don't be afraid of them. It's interesting. That wasn't even one of the excuses that he brought up. He didn't bring up them. But God knew, you're going to be afraid of them. Don't be afraid of them. You're going to be afraid of people around you as well. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, unless there's a real shift in the pendulum that's swinging in our nation, they're going to be attacking you, probably not just with ugly words, but in courts of law, losing a job, things like that, because we're going to stand up and say, this is sin, this is holy, and they're going to say, yeah, we don't like that. And we've actually made laws against that now. You can't actually say this is a sin anymore. And so we're going to come after you now. And unless something changes, that's coming. So let me say to you, in advance, because I don't think Jeremiah was thinking about that either, say to you in advance, don't be afraid of them. Okay? Look at me. Don't be afraid of them. Why? It's what God said to Jeremiah thousands of years ago. I'm with you to deliver you. Jesus said, don't be afraid of those who can kill the body. But after that, there's nothing more they can do. What's, I mean, the worst they can do is kill you. <laughs> and you're all thinking, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that, that's, 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 that's what I'm afraid of. <laughs> and Jesus says, Don't be afraid of those who can kill the body. But after that, there's nothing more that they can do. But then he says this, I'll tell you who you should be afraid of. Be afraid of him who can kill both body and soul in hell. If you chicken out consistently, chickening out, and don't stand up for the truth consistently. I'm not talking about once or twice, and you learn from it, and you feel like, oh, I hate that. I'm going to be more bold now with God's help. I'm talking about consistently chickening out, consistently saying, oh, no, Jesus, no, no, trust me, no. No, I'm not with that Jesus guy. No, listen, let's just, me and you, we're together. Let's talk about football. 
we're good. Yes, roll tide or worry, whatever you want me to say. That's what I'm going to say to you because it's all about you. I, I want to make you happy. Coworker of mine, neighbor of mine, I want to make sure you're happy with me because you're what's most important to me. Your approval. Your approval. And on the last day, if we consistently do that through our lives, you know what we're going to show? We never knew the Lord. Not at all. And we'll be ashamed on that day, along with our coworker and neighbor, as we're both plunging into hell because we never turned from our sins. We never treasured him above all things. And I don't want that for you. God doesn't either. God's with him. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of them. Don't be afraid of their opinion. Don't be afraid of what they can do. I'm with you. Verse 9. Then God does something. God gave him a command. You're going to go where I tell you to go. You're going to say what I tell you to say. That's, that's my command. Then this happens. Verse 9. Then the Lord. Again, a focus on God. Then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, Behold, I've put my words in your mouth. See, that's all that actually matters is the word of God in his mouth. That's what's going to do the work, the word of God. It's effective. It's powerful, sharper than any double-edged sword. And it accomplishes those things for which God sends it out to accomplish. 100% of the time, it either further hardens you or further softens you. No one stays neutral after hearing the word of God. They either say, I believe that. Help me to walk in it. Or they say, nah, not feeling it today. And they're further hardened. Really, that's, the Bible shows there's no fence sitting. And if you are fence sitting, guess what? Satan owns the fence too. He owns the fence. So you're actually on his side if you're fence sitting. Let's continue on. The Lord touches his mouth. The Lord does this work. He puts his, he puts his hand to the area that Jeremiah thought he was insufficient in. Right? I don't know how to speak. And what's God do? God touches his mouth. The area in your life that you think, this is my problem, God can make it your strength. That's what he did here. The area that he said, this is why I'm disqualified, God. This is why I'm not your guy. God said, let me remedy that. Let me touch it. Let me put my hand on it. There. Now you're good. That area in your life that you're thinking, this is why I'm not useful for the kingdom. God can place his hand upon that area, totally heal it, totally make it useful. Did you hear what I said? Some of you need to hear that this morning. I'm telling you right now, some of you need to hear that. That area that's your life, in your life, that you're thinking, this is why I'm not qualified, with the hand of God upon it, it's healed and it's useful and made whole. I'm telling you guys right now, that's good news. That's good news. If we were in 
a Pentecostal church, someone would stand up and shout about that one. I'm telling you right now, they would have loved that. They would have loved that one. Not because I said it, because it's a big truth. It's powerful. Behold, I put my words in your mouth. Look at this. See, I have set you this day over nations and over kingdoms, prophetically, to pluck up and to break down, to destroy and to overthrow. Jeremiah was commissioned to pluck up, break down, destroy, and overthrow with his words, with God's words. Prophetically, he was to call out the nation of Judah for their sins. Why? Well, Judah's sinful idolatry. They're chasing after false gods. The false gods of the other nations around them. Their spiritual adultery against God. This is what Jeremiah is commissioned to pluck up, to break down, to destroy, and to overthrow. You pluck up something. It's planted and growing. Breaking down something, destroying something, overthrowing something. This is, this is kind of violent talk. He's targeting their sin because it's their sin that's breaking them down, that's destroying them, that's overthrowing them. What's that famous quote? Evangeline knows it. Evangeline, what's that quote? Be, si- be killing sin or sin will be killing you. Thank you, Evangeline, everyone. Who's going to be getting baptized next month. We've been having meetings with them. I know. So thankful. Can't wait. She's like, oh, brother, he's put me right on the spot. Be killing sin or sin will be killing you. You've got to be diligent and militant against your sin just like he had to be with his words. I mean, look at this language, destroying, overthrowing, breaking down, plucking up, ripping something out of the ground, like a big nasty weed, just ripping it out by the roots. And that's what he was called to do against their sin. However, it also says this, to build and to plant. God's words were also meant for that. See, the Lord doesn't just want to get the sin out of your life. The Lord's not here just to say, stop being bad. All right, hope it all works out well for you. Just quit being bad, you rebels. Just so bad. No. He wants to also make you into the image of his dear son, Jesus Christ. He wants you to be like Jesus. And if you're saved, you want that too. If you're saved, you know you want that too. If you're saved, you know you look at that man in Scripture and you say, I love him. Jesus, I want to be like him. His words are just like pure honey, like pure gold. They're wonderful. I love his words. I love everything he does. He's so amazing. And look what he did for me. I want to be like him. You want that. You think that. You feel that when you get saved. And those are new feelings and new desires that you didn't have under the old regime, which was run by you. God also wanted to build and plant his people. He wanted to build them up and make them the holy nation they were called to be. That light to the world where people say, what's 
what are they about? Look at them and their God. Look what he can do. And come there and hear the truth. And God wants to do that in your heart as well. We have to fight against our flesh, though. To fight against those things. Speak truth. Romans 8, 13 says, For if you live according to the flesh, you'll die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you'll live. And that only happens through Jesus Christ, like I've said before. So if you're sitting in here this morning, you know, you know, I don't seem to think about Jesus the way Cohen's talking about him. He seems to know him a bit better than I do. He's, the way he talks about him is a bit more real than I've ever talked about him or thought about him. Well, if you're recognizing that about yourself, I would say that's good. You need to recognize your deficiencies and recognize that Jesus came to forgive you of all your sins. Jesus Christ came and died and shed his blood took the punishment that should have been yours. You know, you know, you've broken God's laws. But Jesus Christ came as the law keeper. He kept the law on your behalf and died in your place. Shedding his blood, was buried. He rose again on the third day, proving that the price was paid and proving also that all who are in him by faith will live like he lives. And on that last day, the Bible says, our vile body shall be transformed into the likeness of his glorious body, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And for those of us who know him, the Bible says, we purify ourselves with that hope. And I pray that you'll come to him if you don't know him. But for Christian that does know him, it's because God first knew you. And he's called you to something, just like he called Jeremiah to something. It's different from what he called Jeremiah to. We're going to keep seeing what he's called Jeremiah to. And we see, ooh, it's weighty. Ooh, this, this is exciting, but this is sort of also ominous. Because it sounds like he's going up against some heavy hitters here that he's going to be afraid of. So I can't wait to see what's going to happen. But until that point, I want to encourage you, walk and what the Lord's called you to do today. And guess what? He will build you up and plant you in his kingdom to be more like his dear son. Amen? Father, thank you for this word. I pray that you would continue to encourage us and also encourage us to walk in the truth today. Lord, for those of us who know you, I know, because I feel it and have felt it at times, there are things that you point at in our life from time to time. You point at them on purpose because they're not supposed to be there anymore. So, Father, I pray for those of us in here who know that you've been pointing at something in our hearts, in our minds, in our actions, in our words. You've been pointing at something, saying, I want better for you. <laughs> you know this needs to be changed. This needs to be made right. Lord, I pray that you would continue to point at those things. Help us to walk in, in obedience to those things. Lord, for others of us, you've been pointing at certain people in our lives and saying, I want you to pray for that person more. I want you to bless that person. Maybe we're even supposed to speak to that person. And we've already, already spoken to that person again and again and again and again and again, and it's just discouraging at this point. So Father, please help us to know when to speak 
and when to pray, when to bless others who are cursing us also. But help us, Lord, to walk in the truth. And we thank you that you've risen up men like Jeremiah of old who spoke the truth and just took the blows again and again and again. Help us also to be like that. We pray this in your son's perfect name. Amen.